Good evening. It's good to have this number again back out with us for our evening half of our worship service. And tonight we're going to be kind of going all over the Bible just a little bit. So this evening I want us to start in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. When we think about the, the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, we're going to kind of dive into that tonight and then progress from the indwelling Spirit. And we're going to cover a few verses that support this verse, but take notice of what the verse tells us tonight as we begin. It's a blessing, only available to a child of God. And if you find yourself not a child of God, that is to be baptized for the remission of sins, given up the ways of the world, and you have dedicated your life to God, and, and so forth, and unto this day being justified of your sins. That is what a child of God means. And if you don't find yourself there in that saved status, if you will, because it's exactly what we consider ourselves as saved as a child of God, repent of your sins. Stop doing those things. Come to God and be saved. Because look at verse 32 of Acts chapter 5. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. When you think about obedience, when you think about following the instructions God has given you to do, we need to think about that. We need to think about that long and hard. Because when we're obedient to the laws of the land, when we're obedient to our bosses, when we're obedient to our wives or our spouse or or husbands, both, both ends of the spectrum. When we're obedient to that type of thing, life just seems to flow a little easier, don't it? It, it does. Now, let's say uh, you're in an argument with your spouse. Stuff ain't flowing too well, is it? Uh, uh, a seasoned gentleman once upon a time told me, he says, if mama's happy, the whole house is happy. I kind of chuckled that at that time. That's a long time ago, right? I kind of chuckled that a little bit. Now I understand I understand it. And I've seen the, a few gentlemen in the audience kind of grin and laugh at it. It's no truer statement has been said, right? When mama's happy, the whole house is happy. You know, the end of that spectrum. When you follow those instructions and you meet those agreements, things tend to flow a little better. Let's look in the garden. Let's, let's, let our minds go back to the Garden of Eden. As God has created everything, he considers it good, and he realized that he needs to insert man into that garden. As he created Adam out of the dust of the ground, he breathed air into it, and there he formed man, right? He said it was good. And he also formed his helpmeet from his rib. And therefore we have Eve. So we have Adam and Eve in the garden. Did he think, did he see and think things were good? He did. He said things were good. It was pleasing in the eyes of God at that time. Had they sinned yet? No, not yet. Mm -mm. Had not sinned yet. So things were good. But did they sin? Oh, yes, they did. They disobeyed God. They took part of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And they sinned. Because God told them what? Don't partake of that fruit. Don't do it. And they did Therefore, things wasn't flowing smoothly anymore, was it? They instantly were afraid, were they not? They sold themselves clothes because they realized now that they were naked and they needed to be clothed. Not only were they physically naked, they were spiritually naked. Because who left God at that instant? Both of them did. 
and God had to cast them out of the garden. Because the garden was perfect. It was, it was not designed for the presence of sin, so it had to be cast out. The purpose of the Holy Spirit. Christ told his disciples as he was preparing them for his departure. He told them, I am no longer going to be with you. Where I'm going, you can't follow. He tells them something's coming. He tells you the Comforter is coming. Your Helper is coming. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit abiding in us. God gives it to whom ever obey him. Does it not tell us? Verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. What a blessing. What a blessing it is as a child of God to have a small portion of God abiding in us. Christ says over and over again, keep my commandments, abide in my love. Abide in my love and just as my father she says, I, I abide in my Father's love and keep his commandments. Does he not say that in John 15? He does say that starting in verse 9. We're going to see that again in 1 John. So turn there with me also again to 1 John uh, starting in verse 24. 1 John chapter 3 verse 24. So we see John, right? And he says this, For he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. There's a lot of he's in there, is there not? It's a little confusing if you're not paying close attention. All right, well, let's break it down a little bit, a little bit more about the he's. Now he, people who keeps his commandments, that's Christ's commandments, <coughs> abides in him, abides in Christ. What does Christ say? John 15, 9. Keep my commandments. Actually, it's verse 10. Keep my commandments, and you will abide in my love. Abides in him, and he, Christ, in him, people. Are you starting to see a pattern? Is it becoming more clear in verse 24? When you keep Christ's commandments, he abides in you. And you in him. Galatians 3.27 tells us what? It tells us that as so many of us who were baptized into Christ have put Christ on. So when you keep those commandments after that act of baptism, act of washing your sins away, committing yourselves to Christ and his task that he has given you to do, when you keep those commands, he stays with you. Take very close I pay a close attention of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, more explicitly in verse 20. As we teach folks to observe things that Christ has taught us to observe, what does he say? And lo, I will be with you even to the ends of the age. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know that the gift of the Holy Spirit helps us in staying attached to Jesus Christ. That is a blessing from God unto his children. I asked this question in, in, a, in Bible class many times, and I will continue to ask this question. How do you feel when you sin? 
How do you stand when you know that you have disobeyed God? Is it a wonderful feeling or what? I would say, or what? It's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling to know that you have shortcomed God and you are outside of Him because you have left. You might say, well, no, I never left God. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Whenever you took that first sin, well, whenever you performed that first sin, Isaiah 59, 2 takes over. For your sins and your iniquities have separated you from your God. He says it plainly, does he not? So as a child of God, it is our want, it is our will, it is our wish to not sin. Why do you think John writes it in, in the first verse of chapter 2? My little children, these things that write to you that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, he knows we're going to do it. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing again, as the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given unto us to make us feel bad, to make us feel that absence, to make us feel that remorse of sinning. The world doesn't have that, does it? The world doesn't have that gift of the Holy Spirit because they're not keeping God's command. They're not. They're being disobedient. They're children of wrath. Are they not? Colossians chapter 3 speaks of the outcome of children of wrath. They're going to expect the wrath of God. That's, that's the outcome of being a child of wrath. Or a child of disobedience. Of a worker of iniquity. And the Bible goes on and continues talking about sin and those who are abiding in it. As a child of God, we do not have the permission to sin as Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 teaches. All right, so we're not going to go that far back. Let's just turn back to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Possibly just one turn. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. My mind goes right back to the absence of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lawlessness. Because if we're not keeping His commands, if we're committing lawlessness, if we're committing sin, abiding in lawlessness, we don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit anymore. What did we learn in Acts? Those who keep His commands... The gift of the Holy Spirit is given unto them... What happens when we don't keep his commands? Absence is there. God doesn't leave us. We leave him as people. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. Is it not important to keep the commandments of Christ? I would say most assuredly. Because when we keep his commands... Let's look at the commands from Christ. No greater commandment I have given you this is to love one another. Right? God, he, he just commands us to love one another. I can see the absence of that in the world. Look what's going on in the Ukraine right now. Do you think that's love? Or do you think that's the absence of love? It's the absence of love. Let's get a little more closer to home. How about all the, the shootings that are happening? The senseless killings? Do you think that's love? That's hate. 
The absence of love, folks, is hate. We see a biblical example of that very early in the Bible. Cain and Abel. We can see hate. Absence of love. We can see absence of love time and time again through the Bible. Even into this age. You think God approves of the absence of love? Most assuredly not. You remember this morning's lesson? The absence of the love of God. The absence of the presence of God in people's household. The absence of love in people's heart resulted in what? Water. A whole lot of water being distributed upon this earth. Killing every air-breathing animal. Y'all remember that lesson? Just a few hours ago. So we think about that. We think about today and how we do not keep his commands. People, I don't mean here at Booth Chapel and those who are listening, I don't mean us. I mean those who are disobedient to his commands. And we may have some in the audience that's not keeping his commands. This lesson is to encourage you to get back on the right track. To abide in his love because to stand before him outside of his love is condemning. And it's not God who condemns you. We condemn ourselves. He allowed us an escape. He allowed us an opportunity to get out of that condemnation by sending his son to this earth, did he not? Might. Remember the word might in John 3, 17? We need to take notice of that verse as well. And by this we know that he abides in us. How do you feel when you're obedient to God? How did you feel this morning when you woke up and you come to Bible class? How did you feel? How did you feel this, mo this morning when you stayed and you participated in the worship service for the first time? You felt good, right? You felt recharged. You felt alive, spiritually speaking. How did you feel when you came for the second time this, this evening? Did you feel good? Did you feel re-energized? Pleasing? right. How do you feel when you meet on a Wednesday night? Recharged. Alive. What happens when you miss out of your control? You want to be there. And something doesn't allow you to come. How do you feel? Something's missing, don't you? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, well, you should be here. Let's, let's get back on track. And I will say this. Miss once. Feel a little distraught. Feel out of, out, out of pocket or out of place, if you will. You miss twice. Yeah, feel a little distraught. I, I know I need to be there. Miss three times. It's getting a little easier. No, I, don't, I don't feel quite as bad, you know. I, I don't feel necessarily so much as out of pocket. Miss four times. That's a whole month, right? You missed a whole month of coming on the evening service. Or even all together stop coming. It gets easier to miss. Why is that? Because Satan has a hold of you. So when we think about Satan grabbing a hold of him, what do we need to do? We need to tell Satan, get away from him. We need to draw near to God. And if we're not drawing near to God, we're drawing near to the other person, and he can't save us. He cannot save us. So we need to know without a shadow of a doubt that the Spirit abides in us by faithful obedience. 
We need to look within ourselves. We need to look within ourselves and be able to know that God abides in us. Not by man's opinion, not by man's input, but by God's word and God's word alone. So as we progress back into 1 John chapter 4, let's pick back up in verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God's abide, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. I'm going to ask a question. Of all that can hear my voice, when's the last time we encouraged someone to get spiritually minded? When's the last time we encouraged someone to stop sinning? When's the last time we encouraged one of our fellow members to come back? When? Not enough. Not enough. That's, that's a pretty good answer, right? Even for myself. Not enough. How much do we need their attendance? How much does God need their attendance? Most assuredly. How much do they need God in their lives? The whole end of the spectrum. Immeasurable. How much do we need God in our lives? Again, unspeakable, unsearchable, unmentionable. How much we need God in our lives? Because if we don't have God in our lives... We're in a sad, pitiful state. And we can see that by the outward working of evil in the world. Now, when I say the outward evil of the working, we just gave two examples just a few minutes ago. The evil that's going on in the Ukraine and the evil that's going on in this country. Two examples, right? Both ends of the world. I know the world's round. The absence of God in people's lives. The scriptures refer to uh, the time of judgment day where there's darkness, absence of God, lake of fire. It speaks to it and refers to it as we, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why do you think it's a weeping and gnashing of teeth? It's a sad place to be. A place in the absence of God. And where so many people are dwelling. And will abide there forever. Many of our loved ones, many of our family members will be there. Do we want them to be there? Would we rather see them there or see them in heaven? That's a no-brainer, Jeremy. That's our loved one. That's our, that's our sisters. That's our brothers. That's our children. That's our mother. That's our father. Right? If, if opportunity is there, if opportunity presents itself, how much do we encourage them? Because we've been commanded to be teachers. We've been commanded to love one another. It does not just say his children, does it? It does not. Yes, we love one another as, as brethren. We have brotherly love for one another. We see ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we find one another failing or we find someone in need and we find someone that's, that needs to be lifted up, we help them. How quickly do we turn off to someone who is lost? We need to encourage them more. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I know they're going to turn the light switch off when they come unto them. We still got to try. We still got to love them enough to give them the gospel because look at Christ's example. Did Christ 
not give the examples of how folks should live? Did he not encourage them? Did he not teach them even though they spit in his face? Even though they slapped him in his face? Talked bad about it. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him to death. And ultimately they crucified him on the cross. Was he teaching them salvation? Was he not teaching them the kingdom of God? He was. He already knew what those folks who he was teaching were going to do. He knew without a shadow of doubt that they was going to be standing in that courtyard saying, crucify him, crucify They were chanting it. And not all of them, but some of them realized what they had done. Right there in Acts chapter 2, didn't they? Whenever Peter gave that first gospel sermon, they were cut to their heart. They realized what they had done was wrong. Why? Because Peter was teaching them. Peter was teaching them what they had done. He revealed unto them their iniquities, and they needed to get rid of it. I know we like to put degrees of sin on things, right? In, 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 in man's eyes and in man's feeble brain, we think that the F word is so bad, right? We hear it even, even on the radio. They'll bleep it out. Even on the TV, they'll bleep it out. Right? That, that, y'all know which word I'm talking about, right? None of us like to hear that word. Or the word that so many folks love to, love to use is using our Lord's name in vain. They won't bleep it out. Huh? They don't bleep it out! What happened? We put the degrees of sin on it. Even people who are lost put the degrees of sin thinking that F word is worse than using our Lord's name in vain? I don't think so. Both are wrong. Equally wrong in the eyes of God, is it not? It is. Uh, let me turn there real quick. Let me give my finger to do the walking here. Uh, too far, too far. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Verse 8. <laughs> Mark beating to it. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you yourselves. Again, who this wrote to? People. People should do this. Now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. It's not using our Lord's name in vain, blasphemy. It's not using that horrible word that even society don't like to hear it, but so many people do out there in the community just to express themselves. Is that not filthy language coming out of their mouth? Even as a child of God, must we do these things? We must stop. We must stop. We got to take we to put off anger, to put off wrath, to put off malice, to put off blasphemy, to put off that filthy language coming out of our mouths. And that verse, the reason why I use it and apply it to my life, because I failed in that last category on that. It's hard to break that pattern. It's hard to cast off that habit. And that's all it is. Using those words to express oneself 
and society don't even consider it approved. You think God considers it approved? Most assuredly, no. It's habit. We have to break those things. And by this we know that he abides in us if we do what? Continue on in 1 John chapter 4. Loving one another. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. <laughs> the word perfected. You ever, consider, you ever consider yourself a perfectionist? I'm certain degrees I am. Melissa gets mad at me sometimes, but I'm going to get a little bit a perfectionist. It's not just right. My OCD kicks in hard. The little billboard up here that has our numbers in here, I slid those numbers in the bottom that went, oh, it instantly drove me up the wall. I had to fix it. If a clock is crooked, I have, my OCD kicks in. Kind of a perfectionist, you no? Know? That's not the perfected that, that John is talking about. That's not the perfected he's talking about. He's talking about complete. He's talking about making whole. God's love will be made whole through our outward working of our love for our fellow brethren, for our fellow human beings, those whom we want to create brethren. Because what does Matthew 28 verse 19 say? What does it say? Go! Get out there. Get out there and teach. No, excuse me, 18. What we got to get out there. We got to teach folks. We got to create disciples, teaching them all things that Christ told us to observe. We have to do those things. We have to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to create disciples so as we can love one another, so as God's love can be extended to others. We can look today just in the audience this morning. And you look in your churches today. What's happening to the people? What's happening to the numbers on that billboard hanging on the wall? What's the little the poster, I guess you would say, whatever you, however you record your number. What's happening to the numbers? They're not going up. They're decreasing. I had a conversation with a a more seasoned person than me, and we was having a conversation about getting young people interested in, in Scripture, getting young people interested in God. It's almost impossible. It is possible. It's hard to reach them. Too many distractions. That was one thing that popped up. They got it too easy. That's another thing that popped up. So what can we do to get young folks interested in God? By teaching them. By encouraging them. And more importantly, by praying for them. For God to work on their hearts. By this we know that we abide in Him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit in verse 13 of 1 John chapter 4. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Again, those who obey God's command, he gives of the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement in verse 13 
He also, in John 5 and 13, this, the, the verse we're going to close goes hand in hand with verse 13. Do we know that God abides in us? Do you know that you're a child of God right now? Well, of course you do. You can remember if you've been immersed or baptized for the remission of sins. Well, you can remember that. That's kind of a life-changing event. Uh, do you remember when you had when you made the, the choice to do so? Remember what happened in your life? You might you might even remember the sermon. I don't remember the sermon because I didn't have my mind made up before that day's sermon. And Melissa and I both went at the same time. Thomas remembered that vividly because he assisted us in that act. But something in your lives change. You feel something missing. I wish the world in its entirety could see that missing thing as God. <clears throat> Folks try to fill it with other things. They try to fill it with money. They try to fill it with possession. They try to fill it with sexual desire. They try to fill it with something other than God. And that void will never be filled because they have yet to fill it with something that's immeasurable. That's God. Even as children of God, sometimes we go astray. Sometimes we lose track. Sometimes we lose the feeling of the absence of God and we follow Satan. We get off, on the right off, off of the right track and on the wrong track and following the wrong person. We cease with our love. We cease with our outward working of love and we no longer abide in God because it separates half of belief. We need to come back if we're doing so. We need to be reattached. We need to come back and get forgiveness of our sins so as God can put us back, so as he can graft us back into that natural olive branch that is Jesus Christ or that parable of the true vine be attached back again yet to the vine. John 15. So in closing, we read verse 14 again and we're going to turn over to 1 John chapter 5. By this we know that we abide in him. Abide means to stay. I've covered that many times and I'll say it over and over again. Abide means to stay, not to dwell, not to live, but to stay, to abide in him. And he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Going back, before we close, here we go again. Uh, going back to chapter 3 and verse 9. Again, the absence of permission of sinning. As a child of God, we don't have the permission to sin. We get forgiveness of it by turning back, by asking forgiveness, by confessing and repenting. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. What did Nicodemus ask Jesus Christ? He asked him, how can one be born again? Can one enter into his mother womb and be born? No, no, no. Of the Spirit and the water. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, God's seed remains in him if you've been born of God. That is, your mindset is to not sin, to not abide in sin and disobey God. And he cannot sin. There is your absence of permission. You can't sin. You don't have the permission to sin, just like Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, because he has been born of God. Folks, when we was immersed, when we became a child of God, we died to sin. We don't have anything else to do with it. 
We don't abide in sin no more. Now we abide in God. But unfortunately, we try to resurrect that old person, don't we? Sometimes old habits revive. Sometimes we return back to our old sinful state. We need to come back. We need to know without a shadow of a doubt that we have salvation. So as we turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John says this, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's look at that right there. Who believes in the name of the Son of God this e I almost said morning. <laughs> this evening, those who are Christians, those who have the outward working of God abiding in them, loving one another, teaching, creating disciples, spreading the word of the gospel, those who know and believe that Jesus Christ is. These things I have read to you, that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, hear what he says, that you may know that you have eternal life. Revelation 2.10, Christ promises what? Through again the pen of John. Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is the same crown of life. This is the same uh, life everlasting that Christ speaks of, that the straight and narrow gate leads to. That you may know that you have eternal life. Look within yourselves right now. <coughs> have you done something? Have you sinned in any shape, form, and fashion? Is it public? We offer an extension of an invitation to get right in the eyes of God because if that sin abides in your heart, if you are guilty of it on judgment day, ooh, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, is exactly what you should expect. Hebrews 10, 26 and following. Take notice of those words. For if we sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. But a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgments that will devour the adversaries of God. Notice what that just said. Do you want to be an adversary of God on judgment day? No. By all means, no. The rest of 15. John chapter, 1 John 5. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Wherever you stand right now, however many years you have been faithful, how many ever years you have been a child of God, as you repent, as you turn away, as you confess those sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you those sins and to restore you. Does that need to happen right now? If you have done the thing in your life, if you have done that in a private manner, if you've confessed, if you've been restored by God, continue to do so because all of us are going to fall short. All of us sin daily. Thankfully, the blood of Christ cleanses us from those sins. I am thankful, without a shadow of a doubt, I am thankful that a child of God has that promise. So know that promise exists and continue to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Continue to believe in His name. Continue to be His faithful servant. Abide in His love. Keep His commandments. And on that great day, these wonderful words will be heard. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been a faithful over a few things. I will make you a master over many. Enter into the joys of your Lord. That sounds a whole lot better than depart from me, doesn't it? So an extension has been given as of right now. 
Do you need to get forgiveness of your sins? Why wait? Why tarry one more minute? Because we may, we may breathe our last. Man, that might have been our last moment upon this earth just a few minutes ago. Were you ready? Are you ready right now? Do you need to get forgiveness of your sins? Why don't we get right in the eyes of God as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?